listening to episode 22 of the Comics Pals. We are a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to do a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. This is the only podcast where the boys smell as good as the show sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. Wait, what are you trying to say? What? Is that a shot at us or Marco? Like, I can't tell. <laughs> are you saying that the show sounds bad and so we smell bad, or that the show sounds good and we smell That's good? That's up to you to decide. <laughs> That's right. That's subjective That's for the listener. And the listeners can let us know their thoughts on that by hit us, hitting us up on social media. You can reach out to us on iTunes, where we are a five-star rated podcast. You can let us know if the show sounds good and thus we smell good, which most of us do, uh, by writing us a comment on iTunes, or you can let us know your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram at the Comics Pals, Facebook as well, and you can hit us up on YouTube, where you can subscribe to our channel, which helps us out a lot, and share the video. We really appreciate those shares, guys. Keep them coming. And finally, sorry, one more second, you can hit us up on Gmail. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Kale, go ahead. Sean said, Sean said, and uh, most of us do, and Pete had this wistful, like, thoughtful <laughs> nod, just, yeah, yeah, you know, most of us do. <laughs> Let us know who you think the smelly ones are. <laughs> yes. And tell us why it's Phil. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's not true. He smell he, he he sounds like just got out of bed funk. All right, I'm glad we got the love fest started early. We can dive right into the show. Uh, so let's talk about what we've done this week. Uh, I, I want to start actually because I think Kale and I probably have something in common. Last night I went and saw Power Rangers. Oh, you did? What'd you think? Yes. So I actually had a great time. It was fun. I yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um. It is not a great movie, necessarily. It's got a lot of problems, uh, but I had a blast. It, you know, there were some things in there for people who've been watching Power Rangers since they were kids. I'm Kale. I'm sure you caught those references. Uh, the best part about the movie, actually, for me anyway, was the kids themselves and the fact that the movie was kind of based around building them up as a team, but also as friends. Uh, friendship is something that's not really popularized in, in, in television and film. Like, you don't really see a lot of things that are just about friends, especially in movies. Uh, and I love the fact that these kids, as dysfunctional as they are, they don't have a lot of friends. They're not, you know, that popular. They have each other. And that was really impactful for me. And I, I especially liked it because... In contrast to the original show, where those kids are just the best kids of all time, uh, these kids are screw-ups, but they're good people. See, yeah, and the movie plays that in a, a really interesting way. Like, it's not it's not in the same way the trailer puts it out, where they're these, you know, terrible, juvie kids. It's just like, no, yeah. Jason is a kid that pulled a high school prank and got busted for it. Like, it's not that big a deal. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I I would recommend Power Rangers to anyone who was a fan of the show. Uh, there's like I said, there's definitely some problems, uh, but there are some twists and turns that are a lot of fun. And uh, the show wasn't perfect itself, and you know I I just think it's a really good movie, and I hope it gets a sequel. And based on the end, no spoilers, it looks like they have one planned. Uh, I've heard I've heard they have five more planned. 
Really? I, I just read that there's good, there's going to be a six film uh, set. A six. Wow. No one should have all that yeah. power. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that I know that song was, the was used in the movie. Was in the trailer. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they put that shit in. Like, I swear to God, man, I don't think that any song has been used as as in. Excuse me. No song has been used in as many trailers as "Power" by Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's all over the place. Uh, Marco, you want to tell us what you did this week? Uh, this week, um, I was mostly busy, but I did get a chance to read on the train. Um. Oh, I finished the Infinity Gauntlet, and I started reading Crisis on Infinite Earths. Dude, Marco's oh, intro leveling oh. in the superhero books. Yeah, I'm. I'm slowly like, I'm. I'm trying to. I, I gotta. I gotta be able to. You know, to to talk to these things. I. I do. I do a comic book show. Those are those are the advanced classes. Are they really? Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's some tough. That's some tough reading, buddy. I'm in AP, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I finished reading Injection by Warren Ellis, uh, Declan Shalvey, and my favorite colorist ever, Jordi Belair. And how, how far have you gotten in that? Uh, it was just the first trade. Um, okay. I dug it. Did you read it? Have you read it? I, I have read it. Um, it was interesting, but I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those image books that I, I would want to read more of because I didn't get it. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's it's basically like for those of you guys who didn't read it, it was basically just a story about uh these five this this group that goes together. They're a physicist, a a logician, a mathematician, and like some kind of hacker and some magician dude. And they create a a pro a program that they inject into um into like I guess the internet. And it's supposed to help with the stifling creativity that the world is going through. Like right now, like people aren't creating and there's a lack of creativity. So they introduced this program that is completely AI based in order to create new kinds of creativity. Huh. That's interesting. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Um, I dug it just because it's like, oh, cool. Like they're dealing with like AI and like physics. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like they throw in some magic. So it's like even worse. So. But um, also that's like that's the most dystopian future I could ever imagine. A world where people right? stop making things. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're they're like in a future and everything just like kind of bland, you know. Oof. Everything's yeah. sort of sort of a really boring gray, and so it, it it it's a it's an interesting book. Really, really interesting. I, I enjoyed cool. it. Very cool. I might have to buy it. I've been I've been flirting with the idea of picking that book up for a long time, so it might be time to make the jump. Yeah, I I'd recommend it. Yeah, I'm clearly gonna have to read it again because I didn't get any of that. What, what was it? What was it called again? Injection. Injection. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, you want to tell us what you got into? Yeah, I didn't really have a lot of free time this week. Um, it was kind of like the end of the month crunch for me. Um, so like I spent most of my free time with my girlfriend. So I was playing um, Mass Effect came out this week, and we uh, decided to like play, play that together. So I played a couple hours of Mass Effect and. Um, much like Iron Fist, I don't think it lives up to the anti-hype. I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I'm like I I got past the like open world and or the opening world into like the first part of the game where it lets me actually like make decisions or whatever. Um, and I got into it. You know, it's like it's more Mass Effect. It feels very Star Trekky, and uh, yeah, it's fun. 
Your uh, so. end of the month crunch is hanging out with your girlfriend? <laughs> no, I mean, that's why I didn't have a lot of time. So all my free time oh, okay, went okay. to hanging out with my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, gotcha. like, like you know, they break up at the beginning of each month. And then as the month goes on, <laughs> I gradually... No, you know, it's the last week of the month, so I have to get in all my mandated uh, relationship time so that I can legally stay in a relationship oh, status. Otherwise, Mark Zuckerberg is going to come and make me change my Facebook status. It's like a whole thing, man. Ask Sean about it. Sean said, oh, shit, which makes me think he's behind on his, on his obligations. Yeah, no, he just realized that it's the end of the month. is already almost here, and he's, he's got to log some time. Well, I'm not... I'm not in a relationship according to Facebook, so <laughs> on that respect, I'm in the clear. Um, yeah, no, and then, I mean, like, the rest of my free time that I had for media this week, I used to, uh, like, binge Iron Fist, so I'd be ready for a review discussion this week. I only planned to watch the first, like, three to six, and I watched the first nine episodes, so... Ooh, you're one ahead of me. How yeah. many are there? Oh. There's 12 13. or 13. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so I-, I watched the first nine in, like, two days, so... Jeez. Damn, Petey. Yeah, I caught up quick. Uh, yes, that's, that's pretty much all I really had time for this week was that stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. I did have one other thing that's comic book related that's actually interesting was um, I went back to my old university and uh, did a guest lecture about, about American Oh, that's superheroes. right. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. How'd it go? Um, you guys actually helped me out with that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I for those of you who don't know, I used to be a professor at Rowan University, which is the uh, college I went to. Uh, as an undergrad, and then a little bit as a master's student. I taught there for uh, one semester as an adjunct professor as well, and I was invited back by uh, one of my old... um, The person who was my office mate invited me back to speak because they're doing um, their final paper, which is all about superheroes and, like, using them in relation to... um, Like, to speak about social issues specifically, like, affecting marginalized peoples. Um, so I went and gave kind of like a brief lecture on like the history of superheroes and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was a good time. It's something I think I might try to do a little bit more of, and I might try to adapt it into a video that maybe we'll throw yeah. up on our YouTube channel. Marco and I are talking about doing that. So maybe I'll get Professor these guys to Pete. help me. Yeah. I was thinking maybe you guys could help me flesh out the script a little bit. Maybe we make it like a series or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought that might be fun. Yeah. That's very cool that you uh, had the chance to do that. It was cool, yeah. I, I definitely, um, I'm, I'm looking into maybe like trying to do it at uh, like some libraries and stuff like that. Maybe see if I can turn it into a, a more regular thing. Try to like workshop cool. it a little bit. Awesome. Uh, Kale, what'd you get into other than watching Power Rangers? Uh, yeah, so I basically just watched, uh, I've consumed so much media this week outside of actual comic books that I'm exhausted. I watched uh, the first five Iron Fists. Uh, the first two legions. Um, how do you like? How are you liking it? Or at least like legion? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's my one sentence critique of um, Iron Fist and Legion at the same time. <laughs> oh, Why geez. are we watching Iron Fist when we could be watching Legion? Because <laughs> more people care about Iron Fist than Legion. Well, maybe that's the problem, <laughs> guys. Maybe that's why Trump is in office. We, we are. Country's priorities are wrong. That's true, Jeez. but I think that might might be another show. <laughs> but I, I tend to agree. Um, that might be yeah. the last episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Legion's really good. Um, I'm still. I think I'm still forming a definitive opinion on on Iron Fist. Yeah. Uh, uh, I heard Legion is very good, though. 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely want to check out Legion. It's hard to believe that Fox made something of quality, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Phil, you heal. Sustain me, Phil. <laughs> come at me, listeners. Dude, I'm gonna come at you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's basically all I've done this week. Awesome. I want to watch Legion. I think I'll I'll jump on board with that. Uh, Phil? I have a big... I have a big stack of books on my to-read pile, but with limited free time this week between working and uh, and uh, writing for CBR... What up, um, baby? Comic Pals taking over! I only watched the... I only got around to watching the first eight episodes of Iron Fist, so we'll talk about that in greater extent later, so that's all I have to report on. Cool. So, <clears throat> apparently, uh, we don't read comics on this show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough week, man. But, but we do we do watch Iron Fist, and that's something that we're going to get to later, and uh, I'm sure that that'll be a riveting conversation. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to watch the Justice League trailer, which just dropped, uh, which we are all very excited about. So we're going to watch it now, and then we're going to dissect it once it's over. Oh, come on, man. You're going to tell me this doesn't look awesome? It was super jarring that they used two different songs in the trailer it started yeah, out with the yeah. white stripes doing um the hardest button to button and then come, come together, together some cover of the beatles come together yeah, <laughs> yeah a, little a little weird. weird i actually went back i was like wait did i hear did i mishear this the visuals though there wasn't a, there wasn't any story at all we know that they're trying to set up the league batman and wonder woman on this mission whatever that's fine yeah the visuals for this trailer were so awesome i mean it just looks so cool right you know what it rem- you know what it reminded me of though it reminded me of um the at least in terms of like the cgi and stuff it reminded me of the fantastic four the like the most recent one oh. like that that whole aesthetic <laughs> like that's that was sort of the the look that i got from it so i was like oh all right that's interesting kind of like dark sci-fi looking yeah, yeah yeah like i don't know it that that I was just like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I thought I thought the visual stuff looks pretty good. I'm like, I'm glad to see a little bit of injection of humor. Um, you know, because it's like that's the fun of superhero teams is like watching characters play off one another. So, like that moment with Gordon on the rooftop, like that's that's fun. Like I, I want those kinds of moments. You know, like the idea of Batman working with Aquaman for the first time and stuff like that. There should be some kind of awkwardness. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, it's kind of weird that. We know Superman though, like I, you know, he's like, dead, Pete. He's dead. I know, but like he's not. The rocks hovered over his fucking he's grave. He's dead, man. Like, Dude, he'll show up at the end of the movie. He'll he'll sh- he'll show up like halfway through, and I mean, it's <laughs> obvious he's gonna be in it. I, I'm pretty sure they showed him in some other piece of media. Like you know, it's, I I think that this trailer looked really great. I think we needed to see them having some fun together. In order to inspire people to want to see this thing, especially with all the bad press that DC's been getting lately, um, I I think I honestly am really afraid this is going to be the best thing though. Like this moment right now, like is the best experience we'll ever have with Justice League. <laughs> I'm really yeah. really afraid that's the case because you're right; it was a good trailer. I liked it. Like you know, well, the moment that got me the most hyped yeah. from that trailer was seeing Parademons. Right? I loved that. I loved that. I was like, I literally was, I my jaw slack-jawed for a moment. I loved the Parademons. I loved that Mera was there, because I love Mera. 
Uh, I love that Jim Gordon was there. I'm really, really excited, actually, for Jim Gordon. Even though he's old. Jim Gordon looks old hell as yeah, hell, dude. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, Jason Momoa looked like fucking Roman Reigns. <laughs> he really does look like Roman Reigns. That actually pisses me off now that you say that. But, um... <laughs> but I'm, Aquaman's turning heel. <laughs> he looks like he's going to be awesome in the movie. Dude, though. I, I mean, like, I love Jason Momoa. I, I feel like he's a really, really charming actor. Like... Like, the fact that he played such a nothing character in Game of Thrones, but is so, like, beloved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I and know. that scene where he's, like, riding on the Batmobile, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, like, that's cool Come as shit. On. Like, those are the moments you want to yep. see. You know, you want to see, like, how do these characters' personalities play off of each other? How do their powers play off of each other? You know, like, I don't know. That's that's definitely the kind of stuff we want to see from the Justice League. That's the fun of team-ups. Yeah, so the Justice League movie comes out November 17th of this year, 2017. So, quite a bit of time. Sean's taking us all there on a mandate. I, I so. am. I'm, I'm really excited. Listen, guys, I am a sucker. They could put out any movie, and no matter what I say on this podcast, once I see something like this, I gotta see it. That's just what it is. I'm gonna <laughs> continue to do this my entire life. I know this. So, I am, dude. I am. 100%, man. So... We got some reader mail, and Pete's going to take it away. All right, guys. So uh, our one piece of reader mail this week is from friend of the show, Matt Murphy, and uh, over from the Long Box. If you don't know, uh, he was on – him and uh, his co-host were back on the – or Tyler, I should say his name. Uh, we're <laughs> on the show back on, what, episode eight, I think? If he emailed us, we can say his name. <laughs> That's a good point. You better write in, Tyler. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, go check out that episode with us. We were on their show, The Short Box, where we reviewed uh, The Omega Men. Go check out that content. Um, so Matt writes in with an email called Political Agenda, and he says, Hello, pals. I'm listening to the current episode, and it made me think about something I brought up in my in my comic shop two weeks ago. Before jo- John Kent was introduced, a lot of people argued that Superman didn't fit into modern society and was too grounded in old ideals. In my opinion, I think the same thing could be said of Captain America. In a world where, quote, traditional, unquote, American ideals clash with modern liberal American ideals, where does Steve Rogers fit in? Does he fit? Let me know. Sincerely, Matt. P.S. Am I the only Republican listener? So much politics. And then we got a sweaty emoji and then a crying emoji <laughs> sent from my iPhone. I do imagine that Matt is a very sweaty listener. <laughs> Perhaps our sweatiest <laughs> listener. <laughs> um, I'd be interested to know if, if Matt's our only Republican listener. If you guys, if any of you are, consider yourself Republican or maybe a little more on the conservative spectrum, but let us know. Because... Um, I mean, certainly that's that's not a problem. I know we we skew a little liberal on the show, but <laughs> if uh, you listen to the show, how are you Republican with Phil on it? <laughs> how hey do man, you not turn it off? Because, <laughs> hey man, I mean, sometimes people like to have their views challenged. You know, you got to listen to some bleeding heart liberals every once in a while just to reaffirm your own beliefs, right? So <laughs> let let us know in the comments below. Um, I would definitely be interested to know. So, all right. So, yeah, let's. This will take us into our random question of the week here. So, what do you guys think in in the modern, you know, American ideals? Like, where does Captain America fit in, or does he fit in? Yes. Why? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, all right, cool. <laughs> I, all right, and that's been the random question of the I think, week. I <laughs> I think that this question was asked and answered in Civil War, the original Civil War, and the answer is that. Captain America is required 
or fits in any era of American history because he stands for whatever he he stands for America. The the core ideals that make this country what it is is what he stands for. He stands for equality, he stands for peace, he stands for justice, he stands for truth. All of those things have always been relevant and always will be relevant. And he's the champion of those ideals. So in the face of, you know, a society where maybe those things are being less valued or being trampled on, Captain America is the sentinel for those ideals. He's the sentinel of liberty, right? And so, yes, he will always be relevant. And you could argue that he's more relevant now than ever. Uh, frankly, a sentinel of liberty is a lot more practical than a statue of liberty. I agree with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Beautifully said. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about Superman. I yeah, mean, I you know, the the, the world can lean as far Batman as they want, but without without the light to you know of Superman to compare it to, like, what's you know what's the point? Yeah, man. I mean, I I was also a cynical teenager at one point who kind of held that viewpoint that Captain America and Superman are like antiquated. But I, you know, I definitely think. Um, to borrow a line from the Avengers, it's like sometimes you need a little old fashioned, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, um, again, like I guess having that character that you do kind of put on a pedestal in some ways, you know, and, and have an ideal to aspire to. Like we have plenty of, um, morally ambiguous heroes or heroes who are on a, on a spectrum of, of good, but I think you, you do kind of need that you know, that paragon of virtue to, to look up to sometimes, you know? Especially, I think, for kids, having characters like that are, are very valuable. Yeah. When you're young, you relate to Batman, but growing up is realizing that the Joker made more sense. <laughs> yeah, right? No, I I think, I think when you're young, you're like, you like Batman, and then if you, like, grow up and really, really, like, ascribe to, you know, the the... I don't know. I think the core values of like superheroes, you start to relate more to Superman. You start to relate more to Jim Gordon. <laughs> That's true. I, don't know. I think Just... this. I think this question is loaded as shit, and it's kind of a straw man where it's like, oh, these modern liberal ideas come out of front to Captain America and Superman. Ah, uh, uh, yes. yeah. And I just don't see how that is a thing. But yeah, I mean, especially because like, when or you, Superman, especially... Captain America, rather. I mean, I, I think especially when you when you look at the history of these characters, right? Like we've talked about the history of Superman a lot on this show, and I feel like the original interpretation of Superman was like pretty liberal. You know, like he was fighting corrupt cops and bankers and businessmen and, and wife beaters, wife beaters, and like same in Captain America. Like I was punching Nazis. Well, not only not only punching Nazis, but like I was just talking about how I gave that lecture last week, one of the things I talked about was how Captain America number one was released a year before American troops were involved in World War II. So right. that was a major political statement being made in that way through that book. You know, so like, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really agree with that interpretation of those characters that they're like necessarily like um, statues of like remnants or, of the 40s. Or even that they have to be t tied to like conservative values. I don't think that like honesty and like those kinds of things are like yeah. you know what i mean like those are not conservative <laughs> exactly. values and exactly. i don't think superman or captain america are connected to like traditional like the things we now associate with conservatism you know like yeah. I, don't, I don't think i don't think superman or, or captain america are, are going to be like up in arms about like being pro-life or anything like that like i don't think it's that like 
politically black and white at well, all. You know, even if let, let's say, for example, let's let's operate under the assumption that both characters do lean to the right and might have those opinions. At the end of the day, they still stand for things that are a lot higher up on the totem pole than those those medium level issues. They're even if they are, for example, pro life, they are still very much like gonna champion honesty and liberty and freedom and are not gonna stand in your way about their personal belief on a topic like that. Mm, that's a good point. That's a great point. Clark Kent and Steve Rogers have their own opinions, but Captain America and Superman have to be above all that to represent everyone. Yep. Mm-hmm. I-, I think that kind of dialogue is valuable. You know, like, I think, like, showing that, like, you could be uh, a conservative or a Republican and that doesn't make you a caricature or, like, an evil person is, like, you know, like, I I think, like, it's that bipartisanism that we are, like, so, so dedicated to right now in this country that is, like, damaging, you know, like. In terms of political uh, affiliation for those two characters, I always pictured Captain America leaning toward libertarianism. I Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. And I always pictured Superman leaning more socialist. Like, I mean, like, looking at, um, I, I wouldn't, I don't know, I, I've never thought about that with, with Superman, that's interesting. But yeah, with Cap, I mean, like, looking at the way he behaves in Civil War, like, that's a very libertarian viewpoint. So, are these characters antiquated? I mean, I think Captain America's Civil War is proof that they're, that, that the large general public, which aren't all these old fogies saying, you know, things would be a lot better if they were, like, they were 70 years ago. Like, that movie's made for contemporary audiences, and it proves that this character isn't antiquated, because that's what happens when you have an adaption, or a writer, or an artist who takes on a book and is good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think the, the concept of a character being antiquated, I mean, you can bring any character into the modern era by having modern era people write them with that in mind, you know? Fantastic Four is one of the biggest properties that people are like, oh, this is out of date, but, you know, Hickman's run proves that, like, you have a good writer on it. That's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah, you can make it work. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I definitely think that like leaning on the idea that oh, like Superman's a Boy Scout and he's outdated and that you know that he sucks or whatever. It's like no, like that's just not you know you're just reading the wrong stuff or you're not reading it at all. Well, or, people who like, say that are reading... definitely not reading yeah. it at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So Matt, hopefully we answered your question in a way that's satisfying yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, thanks for writing you... in. Stop sweating so much. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else wants to write to us or Matt if you want to write to us again which we would appreciate uh, you can hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com so let's move on to some news obviously we covered a big piece of news a little bit earlier which was the trailer for the Justice League which I thought was uh, awesome we generally seem to like it on this show um, now let's talk about Ooh, sorry. Hey, yeah sorry uh, just to be clear uh, my internet was screwing up I, um, it, Lou, it was a fine trailer. Um, it didn't do anything for me. I'm not going to see it. It's Snyder's garbage. All of it looks like garbage. Uh, just to make my this position is, clear, this is still excuse garbage. Excuse me. Um, this is so you, funny. Way after the fact, Kale, you are going to see it. Well, yeah. I, I, it's like at this point, it's my job. I have to see it. Absolutely. That Probably doesn't mean I'm going to like you're it. You're going to see it, and you're going to like it. No, I'm not. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You've got until November. Okay. I guarantee you that when we come on this show in November, what what I say, it comes out November 17th. On November 18th, when we do this show, you are going to say, you're going to open the show by saying, 
I'm Kale Ward, and I like Justice League. That's what. That's how the show is going to start. Bull fucking Sean's, claim. Sean's going to write Kale a disclaimer to read <laughs> <laughs> at gunpoint. After I give my open, Kale's going to talk, not Phil, and that's what you're going to say. No, yeah. You know what? That's fair. But when I don't like it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna need you to get a shirt with my face on it that says Kale Done. was right. Done deal. <laughs> the I face needs Kale to be as right. curmudgeonly as possible. Done though. deal. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. Sean sounds like a Sean, Sean sounds like a dad who like agreed to take us to a movie begrudgingly, <laughs> and then you like, you're like, I don't even want to see. He's like, you're gonna see it, and you're gonna fucking like it. Moving right along, we're gonna talk a little bit about a DC Universe event that's launching pretty soon. Uh, so DC is launching an event called Dark Days, and there's a one shot that they're gonna do, or two one shots rather. One's called Dark Days the Forge, and the other's called Dark Days the Casting. It's a Batman event, Batman-centric event, that's been building within the Snyder, James Tinian uh, Batman universe that they've kind of been spearheading since the New 52 started. And this is going to kind of be a culmination of what they've been doing. Uh, this stuff is starting, so Dark Days the Forge launches June 14th, and Dark Days the Casting launched July 12th, so that's really interesting. Um, I'll just read a few quotes from these guys. Snyder says, uh, Dark Days posits a mystery that traces all the way back to when I started on Batman. I've hinted at them over the years with Easter eggs and clues. This is a mystery that literally begins at the dawn of man and spans generations of heroes and villains and ultimately leads to huge revelations about the past, present, and future of the cosmology of DC. I couldn't be more excited for Dark Days. It's the prelude to the event we've been developing for years. Uh, so I don't really know what he means by uh the event that they've been developing for years uh i personally don't know what easter eggs he's referring to um phil i know you've kept up do you have any thoughts on what this could be no i'm not really sure because i mean june is like five four months away or six, three months away uh i was hoping that you'd have more input on it because i'm really not sure where they're going with it yeah uh i, I really don't know there had and there hasn't been any story information released uh only a really cool image of a of what appears to be a very dystopian future with batman looking up at a batman statue and all these like flying drone batman things scoping out the the uh territory around him um the only other thing i wanted to say about this in terms of um is it relevant to All-Star Batman? Because I haven't read that. That's what I wanted to um, bring up. Uh, it's not related to All-Star Batman in any way. Uh, Snyder actually said, what I, want, what I want this one to be is different. I want it to build out of the stories happening now and creating new material and giving everybody a place to tell stories that fit what they're doing on their books and feels really modern and different and above all fun i don't want it to be grim i don't want it to be superheroes arguing over something superheroes won't be fighting superheroes i want it to be a celebratory and huge and crazy i am going who said that yeah, snyder? snyder so i mean that's cool right so does, does scott snyder listen to our show that sounds like exactly what kill's been asking for <laughs> he might man but i don't know like their other quote about it was that they said it was like an opera and i know Capullo and Snyder have constantly like worshipped at the Frank Miller altar a lot. Like they they pay a lot of reverence to him when they've done past interviews. 
Um, I'm wondering if this is like their attempt at doing a Dark Knight Return since they already tried doing their year. Uh, they've already tried doing a year one. That's possible. I mean, the the Batman in this image looks. I mean, it's hard to say. He looks kind of like the modern Batman, young and spry. So I don't know. If- I'm I'm not saying it will be an alternate universe where it's you know like the Dark Knight Returns is its own thing, but you know maybe they're gonna try a story like that. Got you. Yeah, it's possible. Um, they didn't. They didn't even confirm that that Capullo was necessarily working on these dark days uh one shots but i i know he is he is working on the event that's going to follow up so i'm really interested to see what they do with this i don't know yeah it's real curious uh have you read any fan comments or anything like the speculation i guess i haven't have you yeah i haven't either i i avoid that stuff but there could be maybe some nugget yeah of wisdom well, there june isn't too far away and uh between that and the button tie-in or crossover that's happening between flash and batman there's a lot of good good batman stuff on horizon for fans so i'll be checking it out uh moving right along marvel has opened up a little bit about their generations project uh we talked about this on the show before where it was just the images drawn amazingly painted i should say by alex ross of the uh heroes the current heroes with their past counterparts. So, for example, um, Nova with Richard, the current Nova with Richard Ryder Nova, Miss um, Marvel with Captain Marvel, with Marvel, all that kind of stuff. So, they're opening the floodgates and letting us know a little more about what this is going to be. Uh, it is an event that's going to run through July. It's going to start in July and run through September. Uh, so, it'll be coinciding with Secret Empire, although they don't appear to be related. And it's going to be a list of 10 pairings. So I guess each issue will have a pairing of two characters. Uh, and so there's stuff like the Iron Man pairing of Tony Stark and Riri Williams, uh, Carol Danvers and Kamala Khan, um, Bruce Banner and Amadeus Cho, um, Logan and X-23. And what's interesting is that some of those characters are obviously dead. And so not exactly sure how they're going to work that in. Alonzo, Alex Alonzo says that they have an ingenious device to facilitate these stories happening, and uh, I don't know what that means, but I'm excited to see it. I, I feel like it's going to be its own thing, frankly. Like Generations feels like it's going to be its own story. Maybe it loosely plays with the continuity of six, 16 or whatever, but I think for all intents and purposes, I think the publishing of it is going to be its own thing. Real quick, it's not 616 anymore, right? Like, now it's Marvel Prime. Isn't that the proper term for it now? Believe so. Because, like, the, oh. multiverse was de- the multiverse was destroyed. So, yeah. like... Well, shit. So, I didn't read yeah. Secret Wars. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read it either, but it's, like, it's basically the same thing as um, what Crisis did. You know, it's, like... Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. They brought everybody into one universe, and, I like, that was the whole thing, was it was all the universes were fighting each other for survival, and, uh, you know... Like that sounds long. exhausting. Yeah. They um. they actually <laughs> did a really poor job, I would say, of explaining all that after the fact because Secret Wars ended and they went like nine months later and they never addressed, A, what happened in the intervening time between Secret Wars end and the nine months later. They also... Dude, everyone just chilled out. Yeah. They, they also never really said like what actually happened. So, yes, I believe you're right, Pete, but we don't know how or why necessarily right right i yeah i was just trying to clarify there because i wasn't 100 percent sure either 
Um, I mean, Phil, I hope you're right because, I mean, like, I we've talked about this a lot, so I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but, um, I mean, like, there's a couple of those characters that, like, you know, obviously they were going to bring back, like, Logan needed to come back at some point, but I, I really don't want them to bring back Marvel. Like, I, I really think that would be in poor taste. That's, like, kind of the one sticking point for me. It's just, like, his death was so, like, meaningful and real. You know, it's like he had cancer. Like, he didn't die. He right. didn't martyr himself or anything. Like, just just let him let him stay dead, you know? We have two Captain Marvel characters already. And I feel like with Alex Ross on it, because Alex Ross seems to always do, for the most part, books outside of, like, the main continuity. I'd be cool with that. That'd be fun. Is he doing the interiors for all the books? For for the whole event? Or oh, no, I, I that's why I assumed that maybe they I'm haven't wrong. they haven't announced that. Yeah, that's uh, so maybe he's just doing the covers. Man, I would just wish all events were not in continuity. There's an idea. Instead of instead of blowing up continuity like I always say they should, they should just keep continuity and just have events be one offs because then you don't have to disrupt an otherwise well like a book that's moving along to tell an yeah. event. Oh man, I couldn't disagree with that more. <laughs> I know, Sean. I'm just spitballing ideas. <laughs> so, uh, Axel Alonso also said it very much indicates where we are going in the future with all of these characters and what we've been planning for some time of for the universe. So that that leads me to believe that this is this is going to end up with a resurrection of at least some of these characters and kind of bringing Marvel back to having these legacy characters at the center stage of, of everything. Um, and I think that that's good. How do you think that plays out though? You think, do you think we see these characters return? Sorry. We, you think we see these characters return and then that means that we have like the characters that had replaced them kind of fade into the background or transition into their own books or cause like, I find it hard to believe that Marvel's going to, start publishing just twice as many books to bring all these characters back, you know? Like, some of these people are probably going to have to get cut. Yeah, I think characters... I think there are some of these characters that don't need to have their own titles, necessarily. Like, if they do bring back Jean Grey, she doesn't need her own title. Um, X-23 had her own title alongside Wolverine forever. Um, Yeah, they could easily bring her back. But even then, right? Like, does she move back to X-23 and then Logan takes over Wolverine again, or...? I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so too. I just, I wonder because like that would be you're you're definitely going to be seeing them seriously expand how many titles they're putting out then, and I yeah that's not impossible, but that'd be interesting. But tying into what Pete just brought up, Marvel is actually canceling a number of titles. Um, Newsarama pointed out that they are that there are a bunch of titles missing from their May solicitations, uh, which could mean that they're getting. Uh, cut, which includes Black Panther, World of Wakanda, Silver Surfer, Silk, Great Lakes Avengers, Thunderbolts, Gamora, and Deadpool, and the Mercs for Money. Uh, Ghost Rider is canceled as of number six. Um, and then the, this is the list of a bunch of other books that have had poor sales um, recently. Ultimates 2, uh, Miss Marvel, um, which is re- that's really unfortunate. Uh, totally awesome Hulk, Gwenpool, Captain America, Sam Wilson, uh, Unstoppable Wasp, Power Man and Iron Fist, Spider Woman. Uh, so that Unstoppable Wasp, yeah, that's only been out for 
two issues. I know. Damn. Wow. What's what's interesting to me about that list is that almost all of those characters are either there a lot of them are legacy characters. Yeah. Uh and Yeah, right. That, that is really interesting. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Um I personally believe that Marvel publishes way too many comic books. I think I think their publishing line is ridiculous. Some of these books that are that are performing poorly, I don't even know why they're being published. Deadpool the Duck, what is that? Um It's literally just Deadpool, but he's Howard the Duck. <laughs> yeah, and Gwen Poole, like but I I mean I was under the impression Silver Surfer was still doing really well. Michael Allred's art is good. Yeah. But, you know, a yeah. comic being good doesn't mean it sells well. Yeah, Omega Men and Prez, dude. Always comes yeah, back man. to that. Well, I mean, like, I think I think there's definitely something to what Sean's saying. I think Marvel just publishes too many books, and I think like the reality of it is, is just like comics don't sell that well. Like the, you can only really have like so many healthy comics at once. You know, like at some point, like something new is going to come along, and it's easy to drop a book that you're just like kind of into. You know, like and like when I I have been you know in doing research for like CBR articles and stuff, just like looking at how much most comics actually sell you know it's like uh, it's not surprising that that most of these don't make their money back yeah you know, or, or don't like make enough to warrant existing you know like like you said like uh, like the the wasp book like that's been out for two issues but it's like if those two issues you know are selling like uh, you know like like a, like a really really successful comic sells like a hundred thousand issues you know like and that's like insanely successful that's like a top 10 like if you you're know, Walking Dead, your saga. Like Walking those kind Dead of during an event does that. Yeah, kind yeah, of numbers, yeah. You know, and like average issue of The Walking Dead does anywhere from like thirty to forty thousand less. So it's like, it's like, do they really expect that some of these books are going to fucking do those kind of numbers? Because like, but they're also not giving them the time, which is kind of unfair. You know, that's true like, too. You can't though. Because yeah. you can't afford if, it because they're expensive yeah. to make. Like exactly, comics but, are really expensive. But that's that that's kind of been the 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 drum that I've been beating is Marvel doesn't make smart decisions with what they publish. They just publish anything. Like that that um Unstoppable Wasp, for example. That character is brand new, and she only appeared in in a handful of issues of Avengers. So why does she automatically need to have her own solo title? Why not give her some time to, you know, for audiences to get familiar with her, to build a relationship with her, and launch that book in a year or two? From yeah, now. give her a storyline in Avengers that plays out for like a year. That's like, oh wow, this wasp is badass. Like, I definitely want a wasp book, and then give right. it to them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you said that. Every single member of the Guardians of the Galaxy currently has a solo title. Why do they need that? They're more interesting together. Do we really need a Star Lord solo series? Well, um, well. Star Lord, I mean, like under under Abnett and Lanning, uh, those guys, if they had written solo books for those characters, they would have been probably very good. You're probably right, Phil. But good, whether or not they're good is less right. the point. It's more like, do we need it? And to me, the answer is no, we don't. Um, that they, they need to call some of these books that are not necessarily properties that make sense to have to to have out there right now. Some of these are unfortunate, but it's also like when you publish this many books, how do you how do how do you expect readers to make their choices regarding what they buy? 
Yeah, and it's like I feel like they're they're trying to go for to like to borrow a, a technology example. Like it, it feels like they're trying to go for like a more like PC Android kind of scattershot approach of if you give people tons of options, they'll be able to a la carte pick the things that are interesting to them, and there'll be a comic for everyone, like image, right? But like that doesn't really work with superhero stuff. Like I think you'd be way better off having like you know ten. 15 books maybe that are like really really excellent and are so good that you want to read all of them you know yeah absolutely and and um on top of that they're not they're not doing these books justice by giving us great reasons to want to buy them it's just like hey we're publishing this buy it if you want to yeah dude and like i feel like there's such a better like some of these characters like they don't need an ongoing but like they could have a mini series and if the mini series does well then you give them an ongoing you know like like that rocket book that happened like right after guardians it was like scotty young right was his name yeah scotty young did it did the art and, and the shit and then they transitioned that into a groot and rocket book that had a different team because it was like oh this did really well we'll continue this storyline it's like do that you know, and it's like, again, that was a book that didn't need to exist. Do we need a Groot and Rocket book when we can have their dynamic in the Guardians? No, but if people want to pay for it because it has a good creative team and it's enjoyable, great. Yeah. And but if like, you they can prove, that. Yeah, exactly. If you can prove that people want it by doing something small like what you said and then it succeeds, why the hell not? Yeah. Well, you Absolutely. know, whereas like trying to give us like an ongoing Drax the Destroyer book by like putting somebody famous on it and being like you'll care about it you like Drax right it's like well yeah but not that much like <laughs> he's fine but like he's most interesting when he's with the Guardians exactly so hopefully this is a sign that Marvel maybe realizes that or it's a sign that they're making way for more books because of generations so we'll yeah, see yeah we'll see and I, th- I kind of thought you you were gonna lead into this Sean I, I, I'm wondering if this generation's event or whatever it's going to be and these cancellations, especially with Ms. Marvel, um, I wonder if they're shaking stuff up a little bit. Well, I, I do want to clarify that those that the the books that I mentioned, with the exception of Ghost Rider, are not actually canceled. They're on the they're on the, uh, they're on the chopping precipice. block. Yeah, they're on the chopping block because of poor performances. But um, yeah, they could they could very well be shaking things up and i think that that i think that that's what axel alonzo was saying in the quote that i referenced because it seems like you know we've been talking about this for a while it seems like people don't really care as much as they say they do about these you know these titles like miss marvel and gwenpool and whatever else i personally love miss marvel but i think a lot of people talk really big about what they want about what they want out of these books but when they give it to them they don't pay I'm not sure if that's it. I think that that we've talked about this a little bit before, but the people that talk big about those books just might not be a big enough group of people to buy those books. I mean, I think that's part of it, but I think there's also some validity to what Sean's saying. Like where and like again, this is one of those things where there's no way to say this without coming off some kind of way, so take it with a grain of salt. But like I do think Write that it if you're mad at Pete. Seriously, do it. That's fine. I don't mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna speak on on what I to what I think Sean is, is talking around, which is like, I think there's just a good number of people who don't really read comic books who want to celebrate, like, this is a win for diversity or like, this is a win for yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, and they're, they, they think it's a positive thing and they're like happy about it. And it's like, look at this cool thing. Like, but they don't really read comic books and they don't really give a shit about Miss Marvel. 
I recently had that with one of my um one of my friends. She shared like an article on oh you know Marvel's doing it right because they they published uh, America, and I was like and and oh it was like Gina Rodriguez the the lead actress from um Gene the Virgin, uh she's like oh she's really interested in playing the character and the new they based it off like the new comic and I, I know me and me and Sean were talking about it and like that new that issue kind of like sucked she was just sort of portrayed as like. A Hispanic stereotype she was all like sassy and um and they really threw they were really throwing the whole thing where like yeah and she's a lesbian and like her she had like two she had two moms and stuff and it's like all right like like we get it but that's not her character like it's not she's not defined by her being Hispanic and a lesbian like she it feels like you're she, just checking off boxes right 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 and I and so I commented I'm like no don't do that Gina Rodriguez you'll ruin your career <laughs> Whoa. Oh, damn <laughs> Marco giving that career advice that's fucking rough <laughs> Marco uh yo yeah absolutely I I I feel that people who don't read comics and some that do quite frankly talk big and this is not a comics thing this is everywhere they talk big about what they what they think they want and then when uh you know creators give them what they think they want they don't buy it and that's a huge problem because you're giving people the wrong impression and then when they flip because you didn't pay for what you said you wanted then you get mad that they're not providing it anymore yeah but it was for you and you didn't you didn't pick it up right (laughs) Well, that's the thing, right? Is like just just wait, wait until Miss Marvel gets canceled, or or you know, like it probably will be Miss Marvel. That would be the one that, like, if it does get canceled, and they might not cancel it because I think they really do like believe in Kamala because she's the most successful of these new characters for sure. But uh, so when that book, you know, maybe that gets inevitably canceled, and then there's a huge backlash about it, and we see all these think pieces about how. You know what I mean? And it's like, and then there's outrage because we live in fucking outrage culture right now. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what people really care about. You know, it's just like all the people, you bring this up all the time, Sean, all the people who were on Twitter or on Facebook complaining about Captain America being a Nazi and they don't read Captain America comics. You know, like, I'm not going to name any names, but I know people that we are all friends with on Facebook who do not read Captain America comics, but like the movies or have a crush on Bucky or whatever. And are like, this is an outrage. And I can't, you know what I mean? And it's like, you don't even read Captain America. Pete, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and mind you, I want to address the elephant in the room, but that the the Hydra (laughs) Captain America comic book is not any of those titles that I No, it's best selling. It's doing really well. So, yep. And I wonder why that is. Um, so let's talk about something a little different. Uh, Death Note is a manga slash anime that is being transitioned over into Netflix. They're going to do a – what is it? It's a movie, right? Oh, it's a, I think it's a yeah. live-action series, right? Oh, no. It's just no, a movie? No, it's a, a live-action movie. Yeah, yeah. live-action movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I only watched the trailer. I didn't like read much about it. So they're doing a live-action movie for Death Note, and uh, they released a teaser for it. I watched it. I don't know shit about Death Note, but it looks interesting. Uh, Marco, you're the big fan, right? So why don't you carry away? Um, so yeah, it's gonna be uh, a, a movie uh, which, just off the bat, I don't feel really encapsulates, encapsulates like what it's gonna be because you have to condense a lot. Uh, it's one of those longer form uh, animes uh, and and uh, and mangas. Uh, it has a lot of story. Has a lot of um depth to it and um 
I don't know. I, I just just because it's gonna be a movie, I kind of feel like ugh, they're they're gonna cut some things short. They're not gonna allow the proper characterizations for some of these characters, and so um, I'm already kind of skeptical about it. And I know the one big issue that everybody was having was like they were kind of uh, everyone's like, oh, they're, they're like they're whitewashing it by bringing it to America and stuff. Um, and there was also the idea that because Death Note, um, the the main character Light is going to be killing people who are in, it's an aspect of it of the, it's a part of the show where he kills people in prison and people are like oh if you bring that into america you carry like a lot of baggage with that um you know because the there's like the whole thing where the the majority of prisoners are minorities and so it's like oh it's so you're gonna have a white dude like killing off people in jail yeah i just it's just that I don't, I mean, that's all I can really say to you. I don't know if you guys have any opinions. I know, like... Well, what's what's your opinion, on Marco? On, like, whether he's going to be killing people in, in jail and stuff? I mean, I think the whole thing, like, like, do you feel like recasting the lead character as a white person is whitewashing? Do you have a problem with it being told in America? Like, do you think there's something kind of inherently Japanese to the story that, like, you, you change by making it American? Do you think... Um, do you think that there's a good, like, that that's problematic, the idea of having a, a white character killing prisoners in America? The story itself is inherently Japanese. There's a very, um, there's a very, like, Japanese ideal around the, the character. He, he starts, he becomes this guy called Kira. Um, like, after he, they, people notice that, hey, like, these people are dying and there's no explanation for it and they seem to be dying in a very um very precise manner um it's almost like a methodology to this this murdering spree and so people start there be there, there's like this culture that grows out of it that sort of is like oh you know like watch out like kira is gonna get you because he can he can kill anybody in the world and all this stuff and so that whole idea i don't think is going to translate the same way here like people here would be afraid of something like that uh, over there and, and the way that it was portrayed was like it was almost like a wow this guy's doing like the right thing by killing murderers or killing um drug cartel leaders like all these things and I so think that'll resonate with american audiences fine though no it, like, it, it, it might i mean i i can't say for sure um, i feel like that speaks to our kind of like I, like, I feel like that's part of why we like superheroes, right like it's you like to watch a good guy beat the shit out of a bad guy you know but in in this, it's very much like he he murders them, yeah. Like he he's he's systematically like murdering bad people, and then but like so is Dexter, right? Like that was a hugely popular show. Am I off base? Like I haven't seen it, so I'm just I'm trying to like. I mean, play that, that's advocate. that's a good point. Uh, I didn't I didn't think about it. Um, so wait, is the argument over whether or not it will be successful here? Like, I mean, no, we're taking a couple different questions here. He's taking them one by one. Marco, you yeah. got this. Okay, um, Margo being the only one who actually like knows anything about Death Note, like I've read about it and have talked to other people about it, so I just kind of like I want to like just ask him questions and yeah, yeah, it's it's a good show, uh, and but so again, like, do you think that like the issue of like him being white is a problem, and like, do you think like that? Do you think that American baggage is going to be an issue? I don't think so because that's a small aspect of the story. Like he, he, the only reason he does it is because he, you can publicly look up like the records of who's in jail and be like, okay, let me, and he basically tries to test out his powers on like how to murder people and how to utilize the book in order the to death murder note. people, right? The death note. 
Uh, so he just does, he uses the prison system as like a, like his testing ground. And then he moves on to like the, like the real world. He moves on to people outside of the, of prison. So plus I feel like that just makes sense. Like it just like within the narrative, right? Like if you were going to like test your ability to kill people, it's like, Oh, I'll kill a murderer. Like, I don't have to feel bad about that. Right. 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 Kind of like, that's the big philosophical question that it asks. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the, and I think that that's still going to be able to be translated here. Um, like whether or not that's like the right thing to do, quote unquote. And uh, I, so I don't think there's going to be a big problem in, I mean, there might be, you know, someone's gonna be like, oh, it's a white dude. And like, he's killing, you know, minorities in jail. And it's like, well, I mean, that's not like the, the point. He's not doing My whole thing it. Is like, why don't you just make the people he kills white? Like, just, you know, like, I think you were the one we were having a discussion about this in our, in our, like, we have like a group text kind of thing. Right. And yeah. I remember you were saying that it's like, well, I mean, like if you actually look at prison statistics, like, yeah, like minorities are disproportionately incarcerated, but they're generally incarcerated for like petty crimes or like, yeah, yeah. Minor crimes. offenses. Yeah. And yeah, stuff like that. So, so like, why couldn't you just make all the murderers and rapists white dudes? I mean, you could, you know, like you could do that sidestep you, the whole thing. You could, but, um, I think that that's also like unfair. Because like you want to be able to be like, hey, look, it's like a real prison system in America. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I mean, but you could show you could show like incarcerated minorities that are just yeah, not yeah, yeah, the yeah. murderers he's looking up or whatever. But ultimately, it's not like the main point of the story and it's not a big aspect of it. So I don't feel like it's going to be a problem. And in regards to, to whitewashing, um, I don't know. I was sort of it's a I like I like it when they make Americanized Japanese shows and they keep uh the the characters uh just just japanese because it is a japanese show like if you're gonna like like, like the whole thing with ghost in the shell and making and scarlett johansson playing it like i get the fact that they're trying to get a popular actress to portray this character but it's also a japanese inspired show so you'd like to see that um portrayed here but in like an american light i know the other thing too is like having an american lead like her make will make it more profitable in China. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. That's like I I I read a lot of talk about that with the whole like Matt Damon in the Wall thing is like that's like a big thing now is like Chinese movies like, or movies sell better in China if they have an American actor that's like noticeable and like Avengers and the Marvel stuff is really popular in China. So like Scarlett Johansson's a bankable star there. Okay, that's so I, I mean that was part of their motivation too. I'm sure. But the thing is, I don't know if they have like Netflix access there because I know in Japan and certain countries in Asia you don't have Netflix access. So right, yeah, you know, I I don't think it's whitewashing. That's my opinion. Um, I think it's just an interpretation. And if they make it in the story, like, oh, you know, this this guy also happens to find a Death Note because in the story it's like not uncommon for it for people like mortals to find these these books. So. Um, I don't have an issue with that either. Um, I, I just like, I definitely, I think that's like, that makes sense, right? Like if they're going to do an Americanized version of it or whatever, it's like, okay, that's fine, I guess. Um, you know, it's like a great example I've seen a lot of like anime fans throwing around is like, they're making a Full Metal Alchemist movie in Japan and like everyone in Full Metal Alchemist is white, but they're using Japanese actors and actresses. Because, like, yeah, like, like the big deal. Cause like, of course you would, it's for Japanese audiences, right? Right, so right. But that being said, like, I guess my issue with that is, like, I don't know why, like, westernized has to equal, like, white lead. 
You know, like, why couldn't he just be a Japanese American mm-hmm. actor as the lead? You know? Yeah, or it like, could have been. Or even just, even if he wasn't Japanese, at least, like, not white, like an Asian character, like, or an Asian actor, rather. Because, like, obviously there's tons of talented uh, Asian American, like, leads that are Native American speakers. Whereas, like, having white people who speak Japanese in Full Metal Alchemist is obviously a lot taller order. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... That, like, I'm with you, I guess, where it's like, I don't really necessarily feel like it's whitewashing, but it also feels like, but why did, did he have to be white? Like, yeah, just, yeah, he it didn't have to be, but he also didn't necessarily have to be like Asian. So it's, yeah, it, it's not, I don't know, it's not a, a big, as big a deal to me. I'm just looking, uh, for me, it's more like, can they capture the story? Sure, uh, are they yeah. going to be even, are they even going to be able to tell it? Cause it's one of those longer, um, mangas and, and animes that, you know, it, it's going to be hard to do in like an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Right. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if maybe they'll make it like a series or something. I hope so. I'd be a lot cool. way, way better. Uh, so let's let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the Captain Underpants movie, which what? is coming what? out. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I actually Nostalgia. saw the trailer. Saw the trailer yesterday before Power Rangers and um, looks weird. <laughs> I mean, Captain Underpants yeah. is super weird. It's pretty weird. Yeah, so. Sean, you've never read it? No. What about you, Phil? Wait, really, Sean? You never read yeah, it? Never. Never. Yeah, I read I read them pretty frequently as a little little child. Yeah. Um, I mean, so yeah, I guess for those of you who don't know, I think like definitely some older f- people out there are not as familiar with these books. Um, are you but, saying uh, Sean's an older person? No, no, <laughs> I just mean like I think a lot of like like Sean's like you're what you're like a year or two older than me. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, but Kale knows it, so I guess you're not too old for it. But it didn't it, miss me. I just didn't care about it. Okay, okay. So yeah, I mean, like, um, they were really popular in my school. Like, they would always be around like this classic book fairs and stuff. You had you had Captain Underpants books. They came out pretty frequently because they were like short and they were comics. So you know, um, they were like half novels, half comics, and um. I mean, they're totally ridiculous. It's about the if you if you have seen the trailer, if you haven't, there's two young boys named Harold and George who are best friends and aspiring comic book writers and artists. Um, they make a bunch of different comic books together, but like their main series of character is about a character called Captain Underpants. Uh, and then they event they have like a really tenuous relationship with their principal at their school. Uh, his name's like Mr. Krupp, I think, and um, or Kerp, and uh, he they end up hypnotizing him. And convincing him that he's uh, Captain Underpants and then a bunch of the things from their comics end up coming to life or like some other like extraterrestrial threats end up showing up and stuff over the course of the series. And every time that happens, they have to basically um, turn Mr. Krupp back into Captain Underpants so that he can come and save the day and, and, you know, keep things keep things safe. (laughs) So, you know, like they've fought uh, mutant toilets. uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. There was like um, some some granny, some old lady or something. I remember. weren't they? They were the lunch lady. Yeah, oh, yeah. the aliens. Yeah. Yo, yeah, the evil lunch ladies. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, it. They were yeah. aliens. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It's all kinds of just like very like you know silly kind of juvenile stuff that kids would write about. Um, and I don't know. I just I loved them as a kid. They were definitely one of my early exposures to comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited for it. It looks really good. The animation looks good. It's got a good cast. So I'm hoping it's going to be fun. Nice little like walk down memory lane maybe. I'm going to like go see it with my dad and my best friend from when from like second grade. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about something that 
we're not going to agree on nearly as much as Phil being a toilet monster. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Iron Fist. So, hey guys, wait. Watched Danny Rand. Danny Rand, more like Danny Bland. Am I right? Nice. We all tried to watch at least the first six episodes so that we could come on here and talk about the first half. Kale, I think you were one under. Uh, Marco, yeah. where'd you end up? Yeah, I was the uh, same way. I was like halfway through five. Cool. Uh, so we've we've all kind of watched Sean, varying degrees of it. Uh, six. I, I watched through okay. six. Uh, Phil and Pete watched a little more, but we're going to stick to the first six. Yeah, I got to, I got through nine. We're going to stick to the first six. Kale, Marco, we'll try not to spoil, but, you know, just live with it. Um <laughs> So wait, is is the plan is the plan for us to do another like part two review next week of the next six, right? Yes. So okay. next week we'll do a review of the next six, well seven because there's thirteen, and and you know we'll we'll have that discussion about the the back end of the show at All that right. point. Uh, hey Sean, um, I got a text from uh, a listener. Can I just read it here real quick? Uh, it's about Iron Fist. Uh, the first five episode. Uh, episodes are the worst of the batch, so that, I mean, that already expresses my opinion. Uh, but it does get better after that, a lot better. Anyway, have fun with your review. Oh, and don't forget, Phil is always wrong. <laughs> Who is this? So, the listener. Uh, this is, this is uh, Nick Lollum, uh, an old friend from uh, uh, my, my college years. Friend uh, of the show. <laughs> thanks, thanks for writing in, buddy. Phil's cool. always wrong. So real quick, um, I'm I'm totally cool to keeping this to the first six episodes, and then we'll get to the other stuff next time. But I know Phil and I specifically, like, both are of the opinion that the like episodes six through eight, and then I'm gonna add nine as well. Um, ramp in such a serious way that like, and I'm not one to be like, oh, it gets good after like the first five hours, but like. I like the first five episodes, and I think it really, really takes a step up afterwards. So if you're, like, on the fence after the first five, like, give the next one or two a shot. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's what happened with Daredevil, wasn't it? Like, it was, uh, like, it was, it was good. Like, don't, don't hear me wrong. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, like, it, it was good, but then about episode four was when it yeah, smacks you in the head. I, like, I totally agree with that sentiment. I mean, for me, like, the moment that was a turning point in Daredevil is, like, that first scene where the guy's like, you should have killed me. And then he does the impalement thing, and it's like, that's like four or five episodes in. Obviously, Iron Fist, there's been a ton of criticism, a ton of controversy surrounding this show that could affect people's viewing experience. The five of us tried to go into it without as much of that baggage as we possibly could, although it's impossible to go in with no baggage at all. Uh, so we took all of that out of the equation and are judging it on the merits of the quality of the show itself. So keep that in mind while we're having this discussion. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the first three episodes because I feel that there's a marked difference between the first three and then the fourth, fifth, and sixth. So let's just have a, a quick discussion about the first three. Uh, so for you the intro, start with the first one then, yeah. So the show uh, starts off with. Danny Rand kind of just walking into uh, Rand Corporation with bare feet, looking very much homeless, uh, although better than most homeless people that I see. And he wants to have a meeting with uh, Harry Meacham. And Harry Meacham is, quote unquote, dead. And they call the uh, the security. Well, for Danny those of Rand. you who don't know, Harry Meacham's the co owner of his father's company, Rand Industries, co founder. Mm -hmm. Right, and he, he kind of runs the business since Danny Rand's father is dead uh, after this horrific plane crash that takes place that leaves Danny's parents dead. And so he's mysteriously back 
15 years later, after this plane crash, assumed dead by the world. So he he's he's taken out by security. He decides he's not going to be denied because he is Danny Rand. And he goes back inside the building, beats the shit out of some security guards, and rides the elevator up to whatever floor um, he expected to see Harry Meacham. And he doesn't see Harry. He sees Ward Meacham and Joy, I forget her last name. Me- Meacham. Oh, yeah, that's right. The sister, excuse, <laughs> or the brother and sister. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, and they have an immediately negative reaction to Danny, and they don't believe he's really Danny, and they have They think he's like doubt. a crazy homeless guy. Right. Yeah. And and that's kind of the first, whatever, 10, 20 minutes of the show. So I'm not going to dissect the rest of it, but let's have a, an open conversation about the first episode. What were your thoughts? Um, I mean, so... Yeah, I wanted to respond to that, actually, Marco. So can you just go first? Yeah, so when I started, I have no context for that character. Um, You guys have read um, the comics. And so me, I'm going to this completely blind. I have no idea who the character is. So when I went in and he's like, hey, you know, I just kind of want to talk. And they were giving him problems. And later in the episode, he sort of gets kind of uh, aggressive. And so I'm like, all right, this is you know some weird behavior from a guy who's supposed to be like a hero to the point where um yeah i i i had that same thought and i've also had that same thought as as i continued like this guy's supposed to be like you know a, a monk like a monastery monk and i get that he's a warrior but he's supposed like to be you're like a monk like you yeah like, so, like I, you're I, I you're totally a monk get... you're a monk with a temper like what <laughs> So like, no, seriously, I, that, that's where I was coming from too. No, I was like, like, I don't get it. I think that's a valid that's a valid question, but I, I guess like I'm a little surprised by your like confusion with it because like to me it felt very reminiscent of like it reminded me of like Star Wars almost, frankly, where it's like like almost like um like an Anakin Skywalker kind of thing, right? Where it's like yeah, like he was raised as a monk and he trained to be a warrior and he became the Iron Fist and everything, but like. He didn't do what he's supposed to do. And, like, this might be me being a little too far in the show. But, like, the thing of, like, they make this really big thing of the fact that, like, being the Iron Fist means that you're supposed to give up being Danny Rand. And he obviously hasn't done that. Oh, I don't know. That, and, like, that, that, that might be thing, later. Yeah. And something you said, though, Marco, too, though, about, like, and this is, like, only in the first two episodes. Like, I remember you said this in the chat before I even right, watched right. the show. Uh when he, whenever he meditates, which is supposed to be the thing that's supposed to keep his emotions in check, like, he immediately thinks of, like, the plane crash because he's not over it because he hasn't talked about it and he hasn't dealt with that trauma. And I think he has PTSD in some way. And it's like, he's not really a monk. He hasn't really truly dedicated himself to that lifestyle or he wouldn't be here to seek for answers. He wouldn't be here to, you know, uh, find a connection to his old life because he would have really left Danny Rand behind. He would have let him die. And he didn't. And the other, the other key element, I think, of that, and this is something that was brought up as well, is that he, he does end up in a psych facility sent there by uh, the Meachams, and he can't use his powers, and he can't focus and meditate because he's drugged up. And I think that, that the show tried to make that, I thought at least, very clear, but I, I don't think that necessarily everyone got that point. That yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know, like... Yeah, like, I, they, I mean, for me, they hammered that home, like, yeah, okay, you're drugged, you can't use it, fine. Like, like, I get it, but also, 
it just uh, for me i i like i didn't buy it you know like he was still meditating he was still like he was still conscious enough to try to push past the drugs i don't know it just didn't it didn't feel right like even that even that last fight up until he does finally use the iron fist i was like what are you doing you're like the iron fist your whole thing is to be a living weapon. Why are you getting the crap kicked out of you? Admittedly, at, as soon as I had that thought, he, you know, it triggers and he gets kicked in. But I just, I I didn't buy it. I don't know, man. I, I really think that my, I wonder how much my viewing of it was impacted by you and Marco, like, expressing your disbelief. Because I was just kind of like, I feel like this totally makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm with Phil. So, like, if you ever try to meditate and you're, like, super distracted... Um, like it's very difficult to meditate, and this is a dude who did it for fifteen years, and he's got drugs impacting him. Every time he does try to meditate, it gets interrupted, and there's clouded thoughts, and he keeps getting his ass routinely handed to him because he's drugged up and he can't focus his chi. Like it's like I think it's pretty obvious. Like I, I don't know, it feels I don't think there's a huge like gap of disbelief here. They also make a point of saying that he's never even had coffee before, so like, like these drugs are probably really kicking his ass, you know. Like, if he was living this pure life where all he was eating was like vegetables and drinking water, and then you're all of a sudden all drugged up on like three or four different pills they're shoving down your throat, like that's gonna fuck up your mind. And you know? and like as he keeps trying to defend himself. They ramp up his drug dose. Right. Every time he tries to explain himself or like yeah, be honest, that's a good point. like yeah. they fucking literally shove pills down his throat. And then like and how can you imagine being in that situation where like you're being restrained and like someone's telling you that like it's like everything that you've been living for fifteen years is a lie and that you like you're not who you say you are and like you you're not your name, like they won't call you like kale, you know, and it's like that would fucking agitate you and drive you crazy. Yeah, and they make it seem really dystopian because the one guy who tried to stab him is like, oh yeah, they were going to be here for three days too and now they've been here for a year and a half. It seems like a really bleak situation. Kind of like a clockwork orange kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially if you are the Iron Fist, like you said, Kale, and you're a weapon and you're used to be being a weapon and being able to like you know, assert physical dominance over a situation and you can't because you're drugged up and being restrained and being like trapped. Like that would like, you're like an animal in a cage, you know, like you're going to lash out. Marco, you were going to say something. I was just going to say like, we, I know with Phil on the chat, we all were also getting like in the weeds onto this, like on the drug thing. It's like, if you're on the drug, just be calm and complacent. You're not, you shouldn't at least, for me, especially if they keep upping your doses, you shouldn't be able to get up, lash out at your doctor, grabbing a computer table, like knocking it over, flipping things over. You're supposed to be like, like you're supposed to be just out, you know? Yeah, everyone else that, is like that, but the Iron Fist, who's literally a living weapon, like you can just any and like maybe that's the meditation, right? Like him doing that is keeping him. But he couldn't do it. No, but like he was trying. There's a there's a missing piece, which is that not all drugs affect every single person that they that takes them the same way. So I don't know if you've ever been to a psych ward before, but I have visiting others and it's all those people are on drugs and they're definitely not quiet, dumb, dumbed out. Like that, that's just not how it is. There are people there who are very much, you know, antsy and, and acting out. So 
his behavior on drugs never once surprised me because there are people who who are like that on drugs. Yeah, and 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 it's also worth pointing out that he uh, he does say in that episode that like the only time he does feel uh, right and like he's doing what he's supposed to be is when he's fighting when there's some sort of physical. Uh, some sort of physical activity uh, brought up against him. So yeah, so that's. And we do uh, see the only re- the only reason he's able to like get like get out of the drugs basically, or you know, is because he's getting the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Like, that was fine because I was like, I was yeah. explaining. I'm like, okay, like I get it. Like he, yeah. that, that makes, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, like yeah. the adrenaline in his system was enough mm-hmm. to like work out. You know, like all the other fucking the chemical cocktail that's in his fucking brain at that so point. I I felt like the first three episodes were slow, and I felt that they used a lot of conveniences and contrivances to get from point A to point B. And there's a for me there's a real big difference between those three episodes and, and how and how they're paced, and then the fourth episode and beyond and how those episodes are paced and. I mean, I can cite I can cite a few examples. One is, okay, so Danny Danny uh, was gone for fifteen years, and he left when he was ten years old. So he's about twenty five years old now. So he missed out on a lot of stuff. That's totally fine. He he's sitting on the floor by a tree, and a homeless person comes oh, up to yeah. him, and he's like, "Hey, I got this phone," and he's like, "Oh, that," and Danny's like, "Oh, that's cool," and he's like, "Yeah," and I just looked up this person, so and so, whatever. Is there anyone you want me to look up? And then Danny did you groan? Like, did you groan? Yeah, I I rolled my eyes. Yeah, because it it was stupid, and it 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 allowed Danny to get information that he wouldn't have otherwise had because he's he's been gone for a really long time and has no way of knowing how to like look a person up or get this kind of information. But here comes this homeless person who just happens to have a phone and is like, "Hey, is there anyone who you'd like to know yeah. about?" Very that dumb. scene, I had the same reaction, but they showed his tattoo, which they kept showing in Danny's meditation in the next episode or two, and it's not clearly explained, but I was wondering if there was possibly like a spiritual significance to that. They kept showing the eagle like every time they would transition. Yeah, him. exactly, and that was that right, right. guy's tattoo when he died from a heroin overdose, and it made me wonder... Maybe that guy was some kind of spiritual liaison for him or something. I don't know, but I mean, it makes sense, like because I I I saw that connection like visually. They were like, why are they focusing on like the eagle a lot? There was there was a thought that crossed my mind, especially after he he like he was able to make the dog calm down when he broke into Joy's house. I'm like, can he also like do animal stuff? Because I don't know the character, so it's like, yeah, right. They, can you do animal things? Why they keep showing you animal things? That was actually a thing I wanted to. I wanted to respond to that, Marco. Um, He's all so, about doggy style. I think, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, don't I encourage think him. That, uh, yeah, fair enough. I think that I'm in kind of a unique position because I think I'm somewhere between everyone else and you, Marco. Where it's like I know surface level shit about Iron Fist because like. I like Brian Michael Bendis and he uses him because he's buddies with Luke Cage and stuff. So it's like, I know Iron Fist a little bit, but like I watching the first, I want to say two episodes. I remember thinking like, man, like they are not explaining shit right now. And it's like, I I know enough to not be totally lost. But like my girlfriend, I remember at one point was like, like, I'm not, I'm not like 
I'm not hating this, but like they got to fucking explain this shit pretty mm-hmm, soon because it's yeah. like you know they've been stringing me along for 45 minutes and it's like I really don't know what's fucking happening. So here's the problem, Luke Cage. You immediately understand what he can do. He's strong, and if you shoot him, nothing will happen. You can't break through his skin. Bulletproof Very skin. obvious. Got it. <laughs> yep. Daredevil. He's got martial arts He's abilities. Poor Batman. And, <laughs> and poor, yeah, poor blind Batman. Jessica Poor Jones, Catholic guilt-ridden martyr, blind Batman. <laughs> Jessica Jones, she's strong, she's durable, and she can kind of like maybe fly, but kind of not fly, maybe float. Something weird, also, right? She's okay. A <laughs> uh, Iron Fist, he can do martial arts, but he's also the Iron Fist. What does that mean? What is that? He focuses his chi. What happens when he focuses his chi? He can talk to dogs, or maybe he does not talk to them. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like that was something that crossed my mind. I was like, what? Their mind. Maybe. What is happening? What they should have done, in my opinion. He did a backflip? <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. That was so, he oh my god. That was beyond idiotic. That whole, that shot was beyond stupid. I, I saw it and I was like, stop. It was it was one of those shots where I was going to be like, I could, I could literally stop watching it because they included that. I'm sorry. That's, that's what, an intense What shot are we talking about? My, the the one, the one where, he, where Joy is like, oh, I don't know who you are. My bodyguard's coming. He's like, oh, no, oh, no. And oh, he's yeah. on the sidewalk and all of a yeah. sudden pops out on the street and there's a cab. He's like, whoosh. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah, Damn. that was a little It was a little weird, I guess. But like, even that, right? Okay, so he can do that. Oh, shit, cool. Then he can't beat up security guards, right? <laughs> so it's like very inconsistent. Dude, they should have sh- it's like you watch him beat the shit out of like 10 ninjas and then he has trouble fighting like one dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They should have shown us scenes from his time in Kunlun because without having that, we can't establish what he actually can do. So if we had seen that and then see him depowered, it's like, okay, well, this is definitely because of the drugs. And not because the show hasn't explained what you can do. I, I'm, I'm just going to tag on to Sean's point here just before you disagree with it, Phil. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, one one thing about like writing and especially uh, sort of – and it's sort of my problem with like Star Wars Rogue One too – is at no point do they ex- establish the status quo. You know, uh, all we're left with is – and I'm not going to go on into Rogue One because we're talking about Iron Fist. But all we all we know is that Danny Rand is strolling up into New York, and he's got a cool, uh, eh, it's an okay dragon tattoo, and but he can do cool backflips. That doesn't show up to like episode. We don't know. We don't. Yeah, we don't know anything about Kunlun. We don't know anything about like we don't know the status quo for Danny Rand, the character we're supposed to be following. It's just like. They establish it though, you know. Like they do take some time to do it. It's just like Daredevil did that too, and we were fine with that. I don't, I don't know why this is getting. I mean, he's way more complicated. Like Iron Fist, way that's more why. So yeah, that's the problem. I um, I'm not super. I was not super familiar with the Iron Fist. I've only read a little bit. Like I didn't read the Immortal Iron Fist even. And so coming in to read this, uh, coming in to watch this rather, like the scene with the dog. I was just like, well, he's you know a martial artist who does a lot of meditation. He, you know, makes sense that he could, you know, calm down a dog because he's calm. Yeah. And also, <laughs> no, no, like, why I does that know, make? Like, what? I honestly, like, I there are some things where, like, when you see, guys are like, like, oh, uh, like this doesn't make sense. It's like, really, like, you can't. It's see, like, let me book, continue though, here. Yeah. No. See. So the other thing is, like, 
I'm like, yeah, he's a super qualified martial artist because he trained in a literal fairyland called Kun Lun, which is in another dimension. And the Iron Fist, I just assume it makes him punch really hard. Like, it's not that complicated. But we still never see that we, until episode two. Yeah, but we don't fucking see Daredevil do blind shit until, like, episode two. It's like, whatever. Isn't the first scene of Daredevil him whooping up on those I don't know, uh, dudes like, in the... Uh, I don't think it's that, 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 yeah. like, it totally it's that big of a deal. Yeah, it's right. kinda, yeah. No, you know what I remember thinking is, like, when's he going to do the glowing, cool fist thing? It's more of a reveal than anything else. It's, like, before that, I don't know, like, he's a I, good I didn't martial know he artist. That. And this is like, oh, by the way, he's got a super powerful punch like Paul from Tekken. To me, all this sounds super nitpicky because it's, like, it's not even about the quality of the show. It's more like... Well, wh- how? Why is he making a dog more peaceful? I don't get that. Like, but that—that's that's that for me is not introducing me to a character. It's not setting up like like Kay was saying. It's not setting up a character. To that's me. setting up a trait of the character. <laughs> but it's not setting up the character as a whole. Like Danny uh, had, you know, said, "Yeah, I have a, a my chi flows like a river through me, and can, I can channel it into you know other animals or or whatever." That would have been fine. Well, like, oh, okay, I guess that's no, because like then you guys, yeah, would you're fucking right. It's stupid. That's a problem. Like that, but then you would have been complaining that the dialogue was hammy and too exposition. I'm not. No, I'm not. Obviously, I'm not saying. Yeah, he should have said it out loud. I, like somewhere along the line, like, like you can't. Like it doesn't make sense that. Oh yeah, he can do karate, so now he can talk to dogs. That's not. No, but it's like, it's just like you know, man, like. You're kind of damned if you do, if you don't, though, because if you explain that, then you're giving too much exposition about this super complicated shit or whatever. And, like, with this, like, by showing that he could calm the dog and then showing that he has some connection with this eagle, you're led to assume, okay, yeah, by using his chi, he can somehow commune with with animals. Not just not that necessarily. Like, that is more like he's got a spiritual side and he's he has a calmer like martial arts thing that's the exposition itself those scenes are trait developing character stuff that's what they are you don't need an extra like 45 seconds to dwell on this when it's literally a transition kind of thing like i feel like we're almost criticizing this show for doing for for what we praise logan for doing yeah which was which was like letting us like fill in some of the gaps and figure stuff out as we go along you had context over the course of years to not yeah yeah and like it's, yeah, they're seven not other movies ways before again, i know a lot of logan. people saw logan who would never see an x-men movie that loved it okay that's a different point that i'm making no like what i'm saying is like like the context of like the status quo of like what happened to the x-men and everything like that's all not there and like it doesn't matter and like that's no, because that's not that's that's not the status quo. The status quo is Logan is keeping Professor X in a water tank, and he's got to go back and forth and drive. Uh, Why? Because and, he has these crazy headaches that could end the world. Well, but that's like that's the question of the movie. But the the status quo is this is what's happening right now. I wonder why that's happening. That and then that's the rest of the movie. Yeah, and with Iron Fist, it's Iron okay, Fist doesn't do that. Comes from a mystical land. He's the son of a uh, multi-billionaire who ran a company, and he's back to get it. Why? We'll have to watch the show and find out. Yeah, no, I'm like, I just want to make one last point in support of, like, both of these things. I think, like, 
what Phil just said, it, it is the story. It's, but you guys are getting caught in the weeds of like, well, what are his powers and how do they work? And like, that's not what it's about. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if that's what it's about. It matters that that's something that is that he can do. And this is a superhero show. And I need to understand, like, I am a big Iron Fist fan. I, I read the Iron Fist comics. This show does not do a good job of introducing the character within the first three episodes. I agree with that. It just doesn't. I agree with that, though. Like, I agree with what Phil's saying about the overall plot of the show, but I also agree with your point that I don't think that the first three episodes, not even maybe the first five, do a good job of establishing, like, what the rules are of Iron Fist necessarily, but, like, I think it establishes Danny Rand as a character pretty well. Yeah. I didn't know a ton about the character, and I was like, okay, I I get this character. I get his idea. But... But what we're talking about is Iron Fist. We're talking about them not establishing the rules of Iron Fist well in the first three episodes. Yeah, and that's that's true. I don't disagree I think with that's that, fine. but I also think that the narrative is focused on Dan- Danny Rand and not on Iron Fist. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I'm not super, I'm not an expert on Iron Fist, but I got the idea. This dude left a monk temple. He is the Iron Fist. Don't know what that means yet. That's okay. I'll learn as we go, and I know he's got a super-powered fist. All right. So... Let's 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 talk a little bit about what happens um, after he breaks out of the uh, the psych ward. The show improves once he ends up meeting Harry Meacham. That's what I wanted to go to. So episode three is that what that is? That's episode four. four. Okay, four. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's like absolutely true. I mean, like the show takes a definite uptick after that point for sure. And I think the supporting cast in this show is overall really good i think like i think harold uh ward and colleen are all really interesting and well well drawn characters and rosario i mean yeah claire in general like claire has been night nurse is awesome in every one of these shows yeah it's rosario dawson we already knew she was dope killing it yeah yeah uh for me uh three and five were just not great uh in the first you know couple of minutes it feels like uh Danny like remembers his privilege and then it's like you know he shows up at uh Colleen Wing's dojo or whatever and is like oh yeah I, I'll, in a week I'll be able to pay your a whole year's rent and it's like but no that's not a thing yet like how do you just promise somebody that and then and then he, and I don't maybe you guys didn't see this but and I Pete you said you were watching it with your girlfriend um I was watching it with Jess, and she was like, they, he got really, like, gross dude bro with her, with Colleen. When they first uh, met? No, 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 in episode three. What do you explain? Like, be, so he goes, he's like, he just like, she tells him no, and then he's like, uh, but come oh, on. Oh, yeah, and he stays there, right? Yeah, yeah, and he does yeah, it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh, and then, uh-huh, like, he that. tries to like, keep. When, when, though? Like, the. Like, when he, to stay at the place initially, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then, and then like, you know, she tells him no several times, and he still does a lot of shit anyway. Uh, like, buys her building, uh, you know. Well, that's that's way later. Well, yeah, I mean, that's still a thing, though. Yeah, but uh, by the time he buys then, her building, they're friends. I never got that vibe. I mean, it's after their first mission, isn't it? But oh, also, no, it's right like, before their first mission. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, but and then, like in episode, I think it was episode five, because I think it was when she was training Claire. 
it, there's a, it feels like, and, and to me, and I, th- I think Jess would agree, there, Colleen had this weird turn where all of a sudden she was really happy to see him. And like, we actually saw her smile. I, I thought that was really weird. When? At the beginning? Because yeah, I didn't when she's at all. Because, like, personally, like, I read that situation, like, Danny, like, because when you initially said, like, Danny got creepy with her, that's what I was thinking of. Like, he shows up unannounced with di- with this takeout and all yeah, these people. And, yeah, that's what I'm talking about now, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's what I initially thought you meant, because my reading of that moment wasn't like, oh, all of a sudden she's, like, happy to see him or whatever. Because, like, at, initially she's like, oh, Danny, like, hi. But, like, they had already kind of become more friendly at that point. But then she gets very, like, you can't just come in here. Like, I have a class. Like, what do you think you're doing? And, like, she's trying to make him leave, and he's not. And then, like, Claire, I felt like, inserted herself in their situation so that Colleen didn't have to, like, be alone with him. Because, like, you know what I mean? So, like, that was how I read that. And then I think she turns because she gets to know more about him. Well, You know, they eat together and they talk. to, To Finn Jones' credit, I think that scene is one of his better acting scenes because the the vibe i got more and more as the series went on is that this dude has kind of got arrested development cuz he like he seems like he's perpetually kind of a teenager you know he and that scene really established a lot of that because he talks about his vow of chastity and everything like he doesn't get social cues at all and like and i think even the thing of him being like oh this is where my dad got takeout it's the only takeout i know and it's you know what i mean like that's a very like sheltered rich kid kind of like moment for him like he's a grown-ass man he could find other takeout you know yeah and like the whole first episode is him like checking out stomping grounds that he used to know in new york like this is a dude the 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 story itself it's a fish out of water or like i guess like also kind of a man caught between two cultures in some way because he has connections to this world but they're all antiquated so to iron fist credit the show i think the 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 relationship and i'm not even talking about the romantic relationship but the character the inner character relationship between colleen and danny i think is handled really well it comes off really um it comes off really sincere i think Uh, see i disagree it feels i I agree with kill it feels hammered in and like uh (laughs) for me for me like i said uh episode the beginning like even before uh, the takeout is brought in for me. It felt like uh, Colleen just has a uh, an about face turn that I just didn't understand. He was creepy. He I was. He was creeped out creepy. by him. He was though. Yeah, I, I thought that played. Like I thought she seemed creeped out by him. I didn't think it was like she just turns on a dime. Like I think it's like they they spend more and more time together, and she realizes that like he's being sincere and that he's not crazy. She smiled and- at him in like a polite way at first, but then like. You know. See, yeah, maybe I didn't read it as a polite smile. I sh- I I saw it as she was happy to see him. And oh yeah, no, uh, I was Phil. Like she was nice to him every time she interacted with. Yeah, him, she gave him she money. He has a homeless. And then he showed up, and he's like acting very strange, and she doesn't know that he's not just some weird homeless guy she met in the park, and she doesn't throw him out. You know, like she gives, like you know, she gives him a lot of rope to hang himself with in that situation. Gave him shoes. I think. He's, she just seems like she's being accommodating. Yeah. You know? And and Claire picks up on the social cues, so she doesn't leave. Yeah. And then again, when Claire tries to leave, she's like, no, you don't have to leave. Like, stay. Yeah. You know? Like, I don't think it's like she has this just immediate turn and she decides she likes Danny. I think I think she gets to know him a little bit and realizes he's not a nut. Exactly. It, I think it develops super organically. 
I like the supporting characters. I think the supporting characters on the show are pretty, um, pretty good. Probably like some of the better supporting characters from the Netflix uh, show so far. Um, I really like Colleen Wing. The Meachams are are good, but just like the rest of the show, they get a lot better once they get beyond the is he Danny or is he not Danny. I thought that was all terrible. They wasted so much time with that, and yeah. they, they weren't progressing the story. They were just hemming and hawing over the same point. There was also um, like there was some definite like what I felt were like plot holes in that scenario because like I think one of the the main things that came to mind with me is like why are Ward and Joy like continually withholding not important information from each other? You know, like the second time that they talk about Danny's identity, it's like after after uh, Danny confronted Joy out front of her house and the whole thing with the taxi or whatever, he like mentions that they played on the same soccer team and like knows the name of the team and everything. And she's like, she like is genuinely shocked by that information that he knows that. And she's like, well, you could have looked that up on Google, which is like in that moment, I bought her reaction to that. But then when she's talking to Ward later and like, you can tell that she thinks that there's a chance that it is the real Danny. And she's like giving him information that supports that. She doesn't mention that. And that's like one of the more, like that's a personal detail that he knew. Like those are the kinds of things being like, well, then how would he know this? And how would he know that? No, I definitely thought the same thing. That just doesn't make sense. She also she also suckered him into getting into that psych ward. Oh yeah, she already had suspicions that he was really Danny. So if you thought that, why would you suck your friend into a psych? Well, ward? well, in that scenario, and that's why the hemming and hawing is a little necessary. Is that she's conflicted the whole time, and at that point, Ward had convinced her like this is what he, we th- this will be the best thing for him this will get this thing straightened out and situated and even after she did it she's like boy i feel like a complete shithead like i don't think this was the right thing to do like she was conflicted the whole time yeah he does kind of convince her like well even if it is danny like obviously he needs psychological help after all he's been through right so i i get that i get the logic of it it's just to me it's just dumb I wouldn't. I wouldn't subject someone to a psych ward if I thought that they were telling the truth. Yeah, but like you can. I I don't like when people like criticize character actions because it's like, well, I wouldn't do that. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, but you're not Joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but but it just doesn't ring true for me. That's what I'm. Yeah, and also you you can't afford to just lock someone up in a psych ward too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. they can. And like again, like you like this is a person who like you think is trying to take 51% of your company. You think it might be corporate espionage. This is a person who like is your friend who's been dead for 15 years and then showed up out of the blue looking like a homeless guy with no shoes. Like she breaks into your house. Breaks into your house. Yeah. Like you have every reason to doubt that that's him. And like he did a lot of crazy things. It makes it very clear that she defers to Ward on a lot of things. But I want to, since we're talking about supporting characters, uh, I've been I've been thumping this drum on our our chat for the duration of watching the show. Ward Meacham is by far the like the best character on the show. He's got the most depth. He has the the actor gets to play with the most range, um, and he's super super interesting. Um, he has such crazy face too, man. Like he, his his face, his like just facial acting is really good. Like, he does a really good job of just, like, the moments where you see him kind of, like, unhinge a little. Because, like, you've seen him so straight-laced and together and the hair slicked back and the nice suit. And then, like, the first time you see him where he's got, like, just the bags under his eyes and his hair's a little messy. And he just, like, looks frazzled and, like, unhinged, you know? Like, 
He's he's really really good. And his I definitely very am, first appearance you. on that first episode, I'm like, oh, he's just gonna be a strawman like rich person and to an extent he kind of is they both are and that's why every interaction that danny has with Rand enterprises i really appreciate because it really makes like a a moral point of how morally bankrupt a lot of these corporations are but the the character arc that ward has is the most interesting like he actually has a really like layered character arc which is not true of pretty much any other character on the show um and I said this on the chat, but like to me, he comes off as like a cross of Patrick Bateman and Harry Osborn. Yeah, I mean, literally no one else. In that, you know, he's a, you know, extreme one percent wealthy guy that is on the fringe of going crazy, like um, Patrick Bateman, and he's got this kind of drug situation going on. And then, like Harry Osborn, he's constantly in the shadow of his father, and there's a, like a lot of you know, kind of resentment there. Speaking of. Speaking of his father, I really, really enjoy Harry Meacham. He's probably one of my one of my top three favorite characters on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's number two. I agree. And then I would me. say Colleen is a close third for me. Yeah, is, yeah. Is yeah. anyone's favorite character Danny? No, <laughs> but I think that's no. okay. I think for this show, it's okay for this. Like a lot of people. From this isn't true of me, but for Daredevil, a lot of people said the same thing. Where they're like, "Well, Matt's not my favorite character," and the same thing with the Batman movies. Like a lot of people were like, "Oh, I don't really care about Christian Bale." Yeah, it's I think supporting that's fine. Cast. Like, I don't think, and the same thing was true of the '78 Superman movie. A lot of people really liked the supporting cast. If you have a supporting cast carrying the the, the property, I don't think that's a yeah. Huge I agree deal. with that, especially like when like Danny Rand like as a character, and I mean Danny, not Iron Fist, is like pretty basic. You know, like he's his backstory is like not dissimilar like granted like it happened when he was a kid and everything but it's like his backstory is basically just if you combine iron man and batman's backstories and he's also a rich billionaire character and it's just like that's fine like i think danny is well defined enough like i don't have i i like him just fine but he's certainly not the most interesting character you know like the things that are happening around him are really interesting and like i i really want to know what happens with ward i want to know like what the resolution of and i just mean what happens because i have no idea and i want to see the resolution of harold's plot and phil and i have talked a little bit about which we'll save for next week but about some of the things we think might be going on with colleen and um i'm well we can mention i don't know it's past where they are so i don't think we should but um and we'll talk a little bit more about that off camera because I actually have some some information from episode nine to add to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think having a good supporting cast, like, you know, having a show carried by the people that are the main characters that aren't the title character, that's fine. You know? But, yeah. I think it's important in a lot of ways. And to 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 Danny Rand's credit, I think he gets more and more interesting as a show. And I think, on. I mean, I think he plays off the other characters well. You know, like, I, I like... I like him in relation to the other characters, and that's that's totally fine as well. Yeah, no, Especially they have Ward. a really interesting relationship. Ward you know? and Harold. Like, I, I again, I, I think I think his relationship with Colleen is interesting, and like I, I didn't I didn't need it to become romantic, but like that also felt kind of natural. I, that that ties into my speculation about the later episodes. I think there's okay. a reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I don't I don't think that there's a main character that isn't interesting on some level you know like joy isn't my favorite character but i think she's interesting and like i am 
excited to see where things go with her arc now because they've been set up a little bit more interestingly in the kind of lead up to the second half. Well, her relation with Ward in the later up and like episode eight, not going to give anything away, but super yeah, interesting in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the family dynamics are really fun. That's a thing we haven't really seen in any of these shows. You know, like most most superheroes don't have like a strong familial tie. And like, granted, these people are not his family per se, but he thinks of them that way. And like, and they constantly shit yeah. on him. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think in these early episodes, I think we've yet to see that. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean, if if what you're saying and what like Nick. Uh, says is true, then I mean, I look forward to it. I, I really, I, I would like to make it clear. I don't like fully dislike the show. Um, I know I, I feel like I've been pretty vocal and, and I mean, as Phil, maybe as Phil says, Nick, nitpicky, but it's like, it's just not, you know, it's not grabbing my attention so far. The only episode I've really, really enjoyed was, was episode four. Uh, and then, past that i like i'm pretty i'm fairly disinterested in it see like i i get that too though because like i i don't know like i really like the marvel netflix shows like i think i think like it seems like i like them more than any of you guys because i think i'm the only one that's actually watched all of them so like i know phil's like also really into them but like you didn't finish jessica jones or luke cage right no i finished jessica jones i just I need to right, watch. Right, right. Okay, Cage. you didn't watch Luke Cage. I'm sorry. It was one of you other guys who started JJ and didn't finish it. I think. Right? Yeah, it was me. There you go. Thank you. Um, so I think, like for me, like I, I really like these Marvel Netflix shows. I've been really invested in them, and like I always see them through pretty quickly. You know, like so. I think, like, is this the best of the Marvel Netflix shows? No, not by a long shot. But like, if you want more stuff set in that universe, it is that, and it's good. And I like the characters. I find I find it to be entertaining. You know, like I'm interested in it. Whereas, like, if you've been lukewarm on this stuff, I definitely would say probably just wait for Defenders because, like, I don't think it's the best of them by any stretch of the imagination. But um, just for clarification, I I've been meaning to watch Luke Cage. It was just one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll watch it before Iron Fist comes out. But then I was like, oh, we got to watch the first six episodes for this review. And I was like, well, shit, I didn't get to watch Luke Cage yet. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a so far. I think it's of the same quality as Jessica Jones, which is uh, not as good as Daredevil, but pretty good. Okay. So we'll see how I feel for the next. I'm eight episodes in now, so after the next five episodes. Cool, Marco. Um. Yeah. For me, obviously, it started off rocky, but after like the fourth episode, it was like okay, it's kind of picking up. Um, and we didn't get a chance to talk about like the cinematography of it. I'm not necessarily a fan of it. The colors are sort of the same old colors that most of the Marvel shows have. Um, sort of greens and grays, kind of yeah, bland. It's very, it's very drab. Yeah, the 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 one scene that was really cool that I thought was really well shot was the elevator scene where like that was the, great. Yeah, the they, they always they, for some reason they're always trying to recreate that the hallway scene from Daredevil. Like it was in the hallway, dude. I love that though. Like I love that it's like a thing that they do. <laughs> but yeah, uh I I think if they had maybe used uh more of that kind of style of cinematography, if they didn't clutter the the scenes so much with like with awkward uh camera positions. Uh you know I something think... that was super weird? Like they keep using an isometric angle 
And like the first time they did it, I was like, oh, that was a really cool way to show that kick. But then they keep doing they it. They keep using and it. Like, it becomes really uninteresting the third or fourth time you've seen it. And um, I mean, other than that, uh, I'm going to wait to see like how it, how it, what it ends up. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of the cinematography, but the story, at least I'm sort of interested in it now. I think your critiques about the cinematography are totally valid. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I, I didn't think the first three were good. I thought that there were a lot of problems with them. Uh, the fourth one, things really, really pick up. The more we saw of Harry Meacham, the better the show got for me. And uh, I really was invested in his plot and what's happening with him. I think he's a really cool character. I don't like Danny Rand, and that's unfortunate because I'm a big fan of the character outside of this show. Um, and uh, what yeah, are your, what are your mean, issues I'm, with him? I think he's, I think he's dumb. Quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't think that he's, you know. Like in the first three episodes, especially, he does a lot of things that are just stupid. You know, like he goes into the building, uh, the Rand Corporation building, expecting that, you know, they're just going to let him up. And he left when he was 10. Not, it's not like he was a baby. He he knew enough to know how things would go on, how things would work in that in that place. Uh, but and like, I, I yeah, I don't agree that. that. Yeah. All right. I'll fit. Can I finish? Um. So I I felt like. He really, he really acted in a way that just didn't make sense to me because he was around that place so often. Um, and yeah, I didn't care a ton about what he was going through, quite frankly. Uh, I didn't get invested, like I said, until uh, episode four. Do you know uh, what, like, what year do we think he would have disappeared? This would have been post nine eleven. He right? said, "Yeah, I think he said two thousand. No, I think he said two thousand one, two thousand or two thousand two, or something in the show." Oh wow! Well, I mean, do the math. It, it takes place in current day, right? So like two thousand one, so two thousand two, fifteen maybe. years ago. Oh, two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. Why? What's your What are you thinking, Kevin? I was thinking, you know, a lot of things changed because of nine eleven, and I had, you know, I've only recently moved to New York, in you know the bigger scope of things, but. I feel like things would have changed here pretty fast, right? That's like a really valid point, man. Yeah, I think that's totally valid. I can both see where he would think uh, just walking in would be the best solution. But also, like, you know, if he's a a post-9-11, you know, uh, New Yorker, even as a kid, he would have watched a lot of things change really fast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Even having been gone for 15 years. I don't know, though. It's like, I, I can also totally buy him being gone for 15 years and coming home and, like, at a place where, like, he's expecting to be recognized and stuff. Like, 15 years is a long time, especially for a 10-year-old to have been, like, that's really young. And I think, yeah. like, to Phil's yeah. point, like, he definitely seems like he's got kind of a, he's trapped in adolescence kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, get, I totally get that criticism, though. I, I definitely... I think the first three episodes, like, I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying for sure. So, uh, Kale, did you, do you want to sum up your, your thoughts of the first six? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought, I thought I had, uh, uh like, yeah, like I said, I, uh, I, I, I am going to finish it. Uh, I, I do like Iron Fist. Uh, weirdly though, I, I haven't liked an adaptation of the Iron Fist since the Immortal. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to see where this goes and I want to, I want to see it through. I hope I like it. 
I mean, but I'm also now I'm watching Legion, so I think it's going to be really hard. <laughs> That's our sort of you know review of the first six episodes of Iron Fist. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the next six or the next seven rather, and uh, you know give you guys our impressions. So far, we're a little mixed, uh, but the show, in our opinion anyway, is not as bad as you know it was made out to be. Uh, which is not necessarily a saving grace, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not terrible. Give it a shot. If you're on the fence or if you are reacting to the criticism that you've heard from other people, um, see it for yourself and judge for yourself because a lot of us probably thought that they weren't going to like it and are, you know, warming up to it. So give it a chance. Now, I'm surprised how much I enjoy it. So I would say just, like, formulate your own opinions, you know, and, like, you know, give it a shot. I thought I was going to dislike it. I think it is It is unfortunate it takes, like, three hours for you to really get into it, though, because, like, that is asking people to, like, give a pretty big chunk of their time to give it a shot, you know? Yeah, if I was if I was hearing this from you guys, I'd be like, I'm not going to watch yeah. this. Uh, that's why I said I really think it's, like, if you like the Marvel Netflix stuff, you should watch it. Otherwise, like, meh, maybe, maybe wait. I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's very so, good, yeah. So that's that about wraps it up for us uh if you want to give us your opinions about iron fist or anything that we've talked about today you can reach out to us all over the internet we are on facebook twitter and instagram at the comics pals you can hit us up on itunes and other uh podcast platforms itunes we're a five-star rated podcast for which we are very very proud you can continue that trend and give us a five-star rating or you can give us whatever rating you think we deserve uh it's a five-star rating that we deserve by the way um (laughs) One for you each pal. Also, that's right. There you go. You can also hit us up on YouTube where you can watch the videos that we do. Uh, this podcast, but also other content like the Kong review that Pete and Kale did and the WrestleMania 33 review that Phil and I will be doing shortly. Hell yeah. Uh, you can check all that stuff out. Please share the videos. The most important thing you guys can do is share the content that we do with your friends and let them know that we're out here and that you like us. And last but not least, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. That's thecomicspals at gmail.com with anything you want to tell us. So with that out of the way, let's do some plugs. Cool. All right, cool. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of The Comics Pals. If you guys want some more uh, content from me, you can go check out my writing over at comicbookresources.com. I just have a – I have a list up this week about – Kaijus, I think that was up last week as well, but go check that out. I have another one coming out this week about Walking Dead, so uh, go click on that, give it a read, help me pay the bills. Um, then you can also check out my YouTube channel, Slack and Slash, uh, at slackandslash.com or youtube.com slash slackandslash, uh, where we do a podcast every Monday, and then Let's Plays on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, streams or special shows on Wednesdays, so if you're a gamer, come hang out and spend some time with us. And then uh, if you guys want to follow me, get me on social media, at loud underscore Pete, and uh, come, you know, argue with me about Iron Fist or whatever you'd like to do. Cool. Okay. Uh, as always, I'll plug my comics company's panels publishing. We're a small uh, publishing company uh, dedicated to getting novice creators into the business. Um, you can find our stuff on Comixology under panels publishing. You can see all of our content on uh, selfie.com uh, slash panels publishing. We're on Facebook under uh, panels comics. Twitter is Panels Comics uh, with an X. And then you can find me on uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Phil. Um, firstly, remember Phil is always right. Secondly, you can find me on social media at 
Cyborg Bebop. And you can uh, tell me how great I am. I am not adverse to adulation. Because I am a tremendous ego that requires to be fed. Feed me <laughs> more. And uh, you can uh, find some of my work on CBR.com now. Like Pete, my first article was released, which was 15 underutilized teams in DC Comics. My next article is on 15 superpowered pets. And my one after that is on 15 best Grant Morrison stories. So uh, be on the lookout. Awesome. Marco. You can follow me on Instagram at woeismarco and on Twitter at woeismarco underscore. I'd like to plug um, the 15 underutilized superhero teams. Uh, It's a really good article I've heard. uh, So that's it for me. (laughs) Have you read it yourself? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and for me, I am Sean Soapbox, at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. You can hit me up and uh, we can argue. So Harass Sean! With- <laughs> Make him use Twitter more. Make him use Twitter. <laughs> with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Guys, Sean is a soapbox. <laughs> <laughs>